Howdy, howdy, everybody. My name is Oscar Barkas, and this week, coming to you from Skype, I am joined by Sam McFadden for... Episode number two of the We Like the Pain podcast, a self-hate football podcast. Thanks for joining us again this week, guys. We are uh, excited to be back. I know it's only been a couple days since we last recorded, but a lot has changed, Sam. A lot has changed, I mean, definitely for the Jags because of some stuff that we'll get into. We need to talk about it right now. Um, Travis Etienne was just placed on injured reserve. Just officially put on injured reserve. He will not come back this season. Uh, Midfoot sprain, Liz Frank injury. Um, Yeah, it was described as a significant ankle tear. Right. So Uh, so not good. Really not good. First round pick. Uh, was going to be a big part of this offense, and he is now a non-factor. So big hit for the offense, big hit for Trevor Lawrence. Um, Just sad stuff, man. Yeah. It, it always sucks to see a player of his caliber go down. Especially after before not even, even getting to see him play. I mean, Yeah, before uh, even getting a shot. Yeah. And now it moves on to just hoping that he can uh, rehab and re- come back strong. The last Liz Frank injury, the last big one I I can remember is Travis Frederick, um, a couple years or, back. Or Joe Mixon last oh, year. Oh right, Joe Mixon. So hopefully he's yep. more on the on the side of Joe Mixon and less on the side of Travis Frederick. Um, yeah, I think the good news is he's young, he's spry. Um, I mean, he did not. I mean, he he got a significant amount of work at Clemson, but he has not put a whole lot of mileage onto his body yet. Whereas Travis Tra- Travis Frederick certainly had. Right. Um. Man, that sucks. Yeah, no worries, sugarcoated. This is a big blow for the Jaguars. Um, this offense is not going to be as explosive or as dynamic as it would have been with him on the field. So. No, it's one less option for uh, Urban Meyer and Daryl Bevel, mm-hmm. the offensive coordinator, to mess around with. The good news is we talked about a pretty solid skill position group for the Jags. Um, I'm just trying to put some positive light onto this. Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault gets a huge boost, in my opinion, because he's that short yardage type of guy. And then now James Robinson, last year's sort of fantasy folk hero at running back, gets absolutely the majority of the work again this year. Absolutely. Um, we'll see what Urban Meyer. I have a I have a pit the pit in my stomach type of feeling that Urban Meyer is going to try his best to get Carlos Hyde out there and take care. I was of, about um, I was about to say Carlos Hyde over under six hundred rushing yards this season. Under, but he's going to have a significant amount of carries. <laughs> See, I think he goes for like 150 carries, and he's like a three and a half to four yard per carry oh, type guy. So, not with not with uh, how the O line's looking. Hey, he ran for a thousand yards with the Texans a couple seasons ago. He did. So. He did. All right. Well, yeah. we can uh, we can move on from Travis Etienne for now. We'll talk about him a bit later again. Uh, yeah, in, for in sure. In a different context, but um, yeah. tough stuff. Really, really tough stuff. I texted Sam immediately. Yeah, I got Etienne quite a few texts fan, I'm so right, sorry. Before, right after the news came out. Um, and this hurts doubly as bad for Sam. Just a little background onto this because um, 
he in our fantasy football draft this weekend was like, oh, I need to get a jag. I need to get a guy that I can really be all in. And his pick was Travis Etienne in yeah. the what, like the fifth round, fourth round. I uh, believe it was the back back of the fourth round. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so tough it's, stuff. Uh, it's a double whammy for Sammy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's <clears throat> let's get into our quick questions. Try and take your mind off of it yeah. for a little bit, and then we'll get back into the pain later. Sounds good. I'll uh, I'll start us off with my quick question of the day for you, um, Oscar. Which NFL team do you have pegged as a worst to first type team? Or, or are there several? And I, I've put together a bit of a list here of potential teams, if you'd like me to run through it. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I did not even do any research. This is your quick question. Yeah, so we, I, um, we got, all right, we got San Francisco 49ers. They went 6-10 and 10 last year. Right. Uh, Atlanta Falcons went 4-12. Uh, Denver Broncos went 5-11. and 11. The Bengals went 4-11-1. and 1. Jaguars went one and fifteen, Eagles went four eleven and one, and the Lions went five and eleven. Yeah, I um, I mean, I think the easy right off the bat answer is San Francisco, Absolutely. just because they have the most talent out of any of those teams by far. It's just hard because they're in a division; they're in the best division in football. Um, the Seahawks are still going to be good. The Rams should be good. Yes. Yeah. The Cardinals, I'm actually down on, um, but worst to first is hard in that division. Denver's another would-be pick, but they're in the same division as the Chiefs, so that's you, you, they will not be first place in that division. No, but I, I um, agree with you. I think the Broncos will be much improved this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how that team looks, especially with their defense back in full. Um, what about the Bengals? Four eleven and no, one. No, I am. I am. I of the opinion that Zach Taylor will be fired this season. Very nice. Very nice. I love Joe Burrow. Like a lot of the players on that team, have not been convinced of Zach Taylor's prowess as an NFL play caller. And if they start, I mean, they're also in a tough division. The Browns and Ravens are, like, atop the AFC playoff hunt. It's hard to pick one of these teams. I mean, the Jags are a a, a sort of trendy pick to be this team right now. Certainly. Um, though I do still think the Titans win the AFC South. I do, too. Um, what about, Who's your pick? Who's your what pick? about the Eagles? I they were almost my answer. I just there is not a whole lot around Jalen Hurts. As exciting as he will be this season, I just don't don't think that they can win enough games to beat the football team or the Cowboys. Who tell me your pick and then I'll see if I agree. Uh okay, my pick is gonna be I'm gonna go with Man, I really want to go with the Broncos, but this is just not going to happen. Yeah, it's just hard. And then they they also have the Chargers there too with right. Justin Herbert here too. Yeah, I have I have to pick the 49ers. 
Okay, um, that was my answer too. Yeah, I have to. And then I'll put Jacksonville second just because I think the Titans are overtake. Titans are are much better than they are, but if there's a division that is we if there's a division with some room for uh like total total difference from last year, it's that division. So 100%. The the Titans are the Cowboys of the AFC in that if a couple key players go down, they're a dumpster fire. Right. All right. Uh, I agree. 49ers is a good pick, and that sort of transitions us into our next quick question, which is, who is the week one starter in? We have five significant teams with QB battles, uh, three with rookies, and then two non-rookie teams. Mm-hmm. Uh because of the five rookie QB quarterbacks that were first-round draft picks, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are already locked in to be their starters. No, I mean, hold on. Do not. Do Urban not Meyer Gardner says right Gardner Minshew is still in the competition. So Yeah, Urban Meyer doesn't know what he's talking about. So uh, my prediction for Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence will start. That's my prediction. That's, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's a, that's a good betting uh, proposition for mm-hmm. you, Sam. Um, of the other three, San Francisco, Chicago, New England, give me those three first. <sighs> okay. Um, so San Francisco is going to be Jimmy G week one. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. I think so. Unless, unless Trey Lance absolutely lights the world on fire in these next couple weeks, I think it's Jimmy G week one. Um, and I think that changes really fast. After yeah, that, I agree. Uh, and then Chicago, I think Andy Dalton starts week one as well. Um, Me too. And I think that will change in the first three or four weeks. Yep. And then, what was it? New England. Um, the Cam COVID stuff makes this interesting. But I think Cam still starts week one. Okay. I think I think um, none of those. I don't think any of those uh, rookies start their the first game of the year. I differ a little bit. Uh, Warren Sharp of the Ringer and NBC Sports asked this question on Twitter earlier this week, mm-hmm. and I agreed with Cam and Andy Dalton. Um, Andy Dalton's pretty much just the sacrificial lamb. I, the the Bears play the rams week one yep and and i think that they're just taking that loss and then saying it's justin fields time that's Mm -hmm. my take um new england i agree cam newton seems to have it's just it's it would be unlike bill oh my god belichick (laughs) to i almost forgot the greatest football coach of all times last name um, it would be unlike him to play a rookie when there's so many established starters at other positions. I mean, you never know. So I, I have Cam, and then I have Trey Lance as the week one starter for the 49ers. I would love to and see And that it. is just a, that is just a, a, a sort of crazy take, reading the tea leaves a little bit sort of deal. Um, when... Uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked after the Niners preseason game, who's the starter week one. He did say it's Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. but that's up in the air until the until 
he has to declare the starter week one. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I would and, love to see Trey Lance out there week one. Yeah, one. I mean, I guess the reason that you wouldn't is Jimmy Garoppolo has proven he can take the team to a Super Bowl. However, the competition's a lot stiffer in the NFC now, and why not take the lottery dude that you spent yeah. a, spent the third overall pick on? Trade away two first-rounders. Um, have have built an offense around not to mention they play the detroit lions week one so right easy matchup uh, put them out get i i agree with you i would love to see it and then and then the last two teams new orleans it's either Jameis or Taysom, um and then denver is either teddy bridgewater or drew Locke. give me those two answers yeah uh i'm gonna run with in new orleans i'm gonna say it's Jameis. Uh, yeah, I was I'm on the Taysom. I was on the Taysom Hill train, but Jameis has looked fantastic so far in the preseason. Um, and it's hard to imagine. He, I mean, he's had when he goes out there, explosive plays happen. When Taysom goes out there, not so much. Our offense looks stuck in mud. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Jameis there, and I'm excited to see him play. And then I'm so excited. Denver. Um, man, this one this one is the toughest one in my opinion. I agree. Teddy's looked fantastic uh, in the preseason. Drew Locke has not looked that bad either, though. Yeah. And I'm a f- I'm gonna say Drew Locke because I feel like I feel like they're not gonna make the move to Teddy and until they're like certain that this is the guy we want to go with. That is 100 percent my take. Also, I don't think, they're I think gonna- that. I don't think they want to go back and forth, you know. Yeah, if they if they start the season with Drew Locke and it doesn't work, it's not that big of a deal to bring in the guy that you just traded a sixth round pick for for the rest of the season. Right, he's the backup. But if you start with the dude that you traded the sixth round pick for and he's bad, then you have to give the quarterback position to the guy that you killed all the confidence of. Absolutely. And then it's a flip-flop sort of deal. So I think it's Drew Locke to start the season. Um, I think that that's up for change, though. I think once the transition happens in any of the rookie markets, that mm-hmm. they're going to stick with that quarterback the rest of the season. In Denver, it could flip-flop a little bit. And it will, for sure, flip-flop in New Orleans because I'm of the opinion that Taysom Hill's going to have some goal line packages and oh, he'll be involved. Sean... He'll be involved. Yeah. There's no way he yeah. sits on the on the sidelines. Right. Okay. Well, those are our quick questions. Took a little bit long to get into those, so we'll speed through some of this news. But um, I do like starting the show with those, just to sort of get our brains moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the only big sports media headline that I saw that I felt like we should highlight is that the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten have all um, come to a agreement to merge in some fashion. The details haven't really been hammered out. Um, and that is in college sports, and that's after Texas and OU. Uh, it's a result of Texas and OU leaving uh, the Big 12 to join the SEC. Yeah, um, this is a big one. But uh, so, the, from what I understand, um, it's less of a merger, and it's being um, it's being named an alliance. Uh, 
Um, okay. So it's That's, it's okay. they're not it's not like they're going they're all all the teams are going to come into one big conference. It's more so they're they're putting together an alliance. Um, a lot of their out of conference games will be against each other. Um, it, basically, it's just they're going to be playing each other a lot more. That's what they're. I think that I, the, from what I understand, that's kind of the agreement that they came to. Um, okay. And uh, I think this is, this is. I mean, this is obviously the way college football is moving, and it is. it's got some obvious pros and cons. Um, obviously, it's a pro that a lot of these big name teams are going to be playing harder competition. I think that's great. One hundred percent. There's too many teams. Notre Dame. Uh, that play no one all season <laughs> and then get to the top four just for their name. Um, so this, that's that's not going to happen as much uh, anymore. There's a lot of top-end talent in these conferences that will be playing each other. And then the obvious, uh, the obvious downside of this is that if you're a team like... Uh, how, who's a good example of that came out of nowhere... Um, Oh, what what was the college football team that the Blue Bird is their mascot? Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina oh, yes. came out of nowhere this last season and was really good and made it up to like number fifteen in the nation and stuff. Um, stuff like that's not, stuff like that is not going to happen as much anymore for for teams yeah. that are not well known. It's going to be so difficult for them to break in. Because one hundred percent, they're they're gonna get beaten down by the competition they play in, and they're not gonna yeah. be able to play as many great teams as the other guys. So, right. I think it widens. I think it um, widens the gap at the very top for more teams to to make a run at this uh, hopefully expanded playoff. Uh, but it also widens the gap between like the top twenty the marquee teams names and, and everyone yeah. else. Yeah. So I agree. You know. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's nothing that we can do about it. It's the way that college football is moving, as you said. Um, I'm just kind of excited to see what the implications for like bowl season are. I ultimately think it's a good thing, personally, because okay. because I like the idea of a Cinderella team just as much as everyone else. But how often does that happen? Not enough not, to be not that much worth. And it and it happen like I think the occasional team will still make it into the top twenty five. Um, but how how often would you have a Cinderella team actually make it to the playoff? It just wouldn't happen anyway. So, right, I'm into it. Okay, yeah, I I, I am not 100 percent in, but I'm excited to see where this takes college sports. Absolutely. Um, let's shift into our news and give our quick takes on them. The COVID five day policy has affected a whole lot of big names. So basically what that is, I pulled up the, the notes. Um, any unvaccinated individual is continued to be subject to a five-day quarantine period if they have a close contact with an infected individual. Um, so anyone who's any unvaccinated player or coach who comes in contact with any positive test has to quarantine for five days take a test i think take two tests during the quarantine if both are negative then they can return to work right um this has affected a bit few big names so far most notably cam newton um who for some reason the patriots had go take covid tests away from the facility and the results of those tests were not 
allowed by the NFL, and now Cam has to quarantine for five days. So this is a huge opportunity for Mac Jones. And my final thought on this matter is that this is going to affect the regular season. If, if players are unvaccinated, um, there's a large potential to miss games. Oh, big time. And if yeah. you're, if you're a coach in the NFL or a GM or anyone on that side of the, like outside of the players and you've got players on your team who aren't getting vaccinated, it's got to be so frustrating. Cause, oh, uh, who was it? it was the Atlanta Falcons fully vaccinated yep. team. First one, 100%. first one in the NFL. And that is such an advantage if you can get Such all your guys vaccinated, because you're right, this yeah. stuff is going to happen. Because yeah. these NFL players, they're not going to the game, going to practice, and then going home. It's not they're, they're living their lives. They're going out, just like most people are in this country right now. Um, and inevitably, if especially if you're not getting vaccinated, even if you are getting vaccinated, people are going to get COVID or come into contact with those who have. So... It's gonna be it's gonna be a very very annoying thing uh, for us as fans, and I'm sure for uh, NFL players who have gotten vaccinated, if their teammates are, are having to deal with this stuff and it's hurting the team, I'm sure it's gonna be a cause for a lot of uh, a lot of uh, arguments. So yeah, um, I I think the crazy thing is that every quarterback in the NFL is not vaccinated. Because there are a few different reasons. First of all, a quarterback misses a game, the team loses. If you're the starter and you miss the game, your team is going to lose. Nine times uh, out of ten, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless, you know, there's a few teams with a few with competent backups. For, for the most part, your team is going to lose. And then secondly, we see it with the Falcons. Matt Ryan was one of the first players on the team to get vaccinated and really was sort of like a sounding board for all of his teammates. Absolutely. And now they're 100% vaccinated. So I, um, not to get super into the vaccine debate, but it's it's going to affect uh, affect the season for sure. Yeah. And listen, if you're playing fantasy, you're going to get frustrated this season. There are going to be guys who don't who miss games because of this stuff, and you're going to be cursing and. Important players. Yeah, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see who goes down and what happens. Yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to say about Mac Jones getting the start? The, the Patriots have a joint practice with the Giants all week. Um, I think it's big. I think it's big. And this is the kind of thing. This is, this is the only way I could see that would cause Mac Jones to start week one. I still don't I think agree. it happens because yeah. Cam has looked good. Cam has looked good. I, I agree. And I don't but think they feel if, any rush to start him. If Mac Jones does see the reps with the ones all week against the Giants' number one defense, that's great opportunity and could mean that he starts week three against the Giants. Absolutely. Week three of the Absolutely. Um, which is all the more reason for Cam Newton to get vaccinated. Moving on, uh, the Jets' defense suffered a few big losses, most notably. Carl Lawson, their big uh, defensive end signing in free agency towards Achilles, which is just so tough. I mean, every injury is rough. Achilles, that's what we saw Kevin Durant go down with for like a year and a half. Yep. Um, and so hopefully Lawson can make a full recovery. My take was that the Jets offense will be on the field a lot. Uh, I agree with that. I it remains to be seen whether or not the Jets' offense will be able to do much while on the field. 
but I think they'll have plenty of opportunities because that defense is going to get scored on. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's speaking of fantasy football. If you do not have a good starting quarterback, play your play a waiver quarterback against the Jets. You can probably do that every week. Probably. Um, less important, but still worth noting, just because we get to bring up a name that I like to say. AJ McCarron tore his ACL. So tough. Um, Josh Rosen was signed. Former Cardinals first-round pick uh, was signed to be the Falcons' direct backup to Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my only th- the only thing I want to say is uh, it reminds me of the Josh Rosen quote: "There will be or there were nine mistakes made before me in the draft." Uh, yeah, uh, it reminds me of the quote of Josh Rosen where I believe he said um, six. He was asked, how many rings do you think you'll win? He said six. Unless Brady has six, then I'll say seven. So yeah. uh, Josh Rosen talking a lot of crap coming out of college. And I I think that this is his sixth NFL team now. Yes. So. Low risk signing by the Falcons, though. Falcons no, for um, sure. signing Josh Rosen. I mean, high ceiling. Uh, low risk. Uh, I I don't mind it at all. I don't either. And hopefully, you know, it's it's like what the Steelers are doing with Dwayne Haskins, another failed first round quarterback pick, putting him behind their veteran, and hopefully they soak up enough knowledge to uh, maybe make a career resurgence. Never know. Okay, last bit of news: Jamar Chase is uh, reportedly struggling with the drops, confidence issues. Um, he uh, dropped a pass at practice last week and let out a huge, like, fuck and slammed his hands together. Um, and now the team has said that they're going to give some of his reps to start the season to Auden Tate, who is their fourth receiver on the team. Um, so my question, how worried should we be? The drops are a problem. The drops, I mean, there's no getting around the drop. He's been dropping a lot. You can look it up. People have been posting all over Twitter these compilations of him dropping, you know, six or seven passes. And it's very obviously getting to him, um, which you hate to see because the drops are bad enough. When it gets in, when it's visibly getting in their head, that's a whole other thing. That's a, so worried. I am absolutely worried about Jamar Chase. Um, Yeah, that, that takes, in my opinion, the drops are bad. Drops are bad, but there are a lot of Devonte Adams to start his career struggled mightily with the drops. Absolutely, and is now seen as maybe the best receiver in the NFL. However, it getting to his confidence is what scares me because I don't remember who on a podcast I was listening to said. I think it was Benjamin Solak of the Ringer said that. The first six months of a rookie's career are the most important by far, especially when you are a wide receiver or cornerback position who relies on physicality and route running and you know the 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 things that people see the most. Oh yeah, you got to be confident out there. No and question. And if you lose confidence in those first six months, it's really hard to gain back. I mean, think about Corey Davis, who was a top ten NFL draft pick by the Titans. It took him five years to have a career sort of season, Mm -hmm. which happened last year. Um, So hopefully, I mean, not putting that on Jamar Chase at all, but I am 
the slightest bit worried. I'm worried. Um, I'm only slightly worried because we haven't seen him in a single game yet, uh, like a real yeah. NFL game. So we'll we'll see. And Jamar Chase, I have faith in him that he is a baller. So he just needs to overcome this hump and get back out there and, you know, let when if he if he has a drop, figure out what what's going on and and forget about it. You know, move on. Yeah, my two cases for optimism. First, he hasn't played football in almost two years since the 2019 college football season when LSU was the best team in the nation. Right. Um, he opted out of last season for COVID. Um, so it's been a while since he he's played intense football. And then also his college quarterback, who he had one of the best receivers in college football history, with is his NFL quarterback. So Joe Burrow being there might help with the confidence yeah. issues. And I'm sure Joe Burrow wants to get him involved in the offense. So, Oh, 100%. And, and everyone in the organization has to. He was the number five overall pick. Um, let's move on, though. We've got, we're, we're shifting from NFL takes to Texans-Jags. Uh, the biggest news was Travis Etienne. Um, we'll run through our preseason week two notes really fast in a second. But before that, Sam and I talked before the episode, and I brought up that we did need to address Deshaun Watson and the allegations that have been made against him at some point and better get it out of the way just so we can focus on other things as the season approaches. Um, so Deshaun Watson has been alleged to have made inappropriate sexual contact with a lot of licensed and unlicensed massage therapists uh, in a lot of different locations, go- dating back to Clemson. Um, he is being... A, a, a civil lawsuit has been brought against him by 22 women, and he is also being being investigated by the Houston Police Department, the FBI, and the NFL, um, all on the more criminal charges. So that's a, a lot of stuff to deal with. Um, I... I'm a Texans fan, I but I cannot make a take on this because this is more serious than football. This is more serious than um, how the franchise will be for the next five years. This is these are people's lives, um, and I just I again will not make a take on this. I hope that the legal proceedings go according to plan and. Whatever the result of the lawsuit and the in, uh, investigations by those three organizations, I hope that they get sorted out so we have some clarity on the situation. Absolutely, um, yeah. This as a podcast, we're not gonna we're not gonna make uh, any sort of statements on this. Our job here is just to keep you updated on what's going on. Um, what I will mention is technically Deshaun Watson can play football right now he could play if oh 100 percent uh as uh, um as long as the proceedings are still going the nfl will not pass down a suspension uh, or uh or anything because it could affect the results of results of the uh um, yes investigation so he could technically play right now 
I don't think he will play while it's going on. He will not play. Um, no. But it's just something to keep in mind. And, uh, yeah, I hope that um, whatever whatever the truth is, I hope that uh, I hope they find it. So Yeah. And, and and the reason that I oh did you want to say no something? I was just we probably won't talk about Deshaun Watson again until something big changes so right um, you know I just right. I hope I hope it's not one of those um, ongoing news stories that we hear about all throughout the season it, but it will be it will be um, I follow the Texans beat reporter for ESPN Sarah Barship as well as the beat reporter for the Athletic Aaron Rice. And both tweet every single day a Deshaun Watson update at practice. Um, and uh, uh, going along with that, I just, Texas fans, be better. Um, every time, every day in the replies, I see people booing. I see people saying, we need him out there, get him out there. Apparently, according to Sarah Barship, fans will chant, we want four, meaning Deshaun Watson, at practice. And just there is nothing that the coaching staff can do. And it's frankly just kind of disgusting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, these are people's lives. Let's let the off the field stuff get sorted out before anything else happens. Um, And then the reason that I brought this up, the reason that I wanted to talk about this today is that the NFL has sort of the NFL news has sort of changed the off the field investigations have not had an update but the nfl like sam mentioned has said that they will not place deshaun watson on the commissioner's exempt list until a decision has been made um and the reason that he is still at practice instead of being suspended by the team is that he would get fined fifty thousand dollars a day by the nfl because of the new collective bargaining agreement um, so he has to be there. The Texans necessarily don't want him there. It's a whole mess. Again, like Sam said, we will not address this again until there's more updates. Um, he will not be our quarterback this year and most likely will not ever be our quarterback again. So that's, that is my final word on that. Um, let's shift into preseason week two and what to look forward into uh, week three. Sam, you want to give your Jags take? Yeah. Um, so first off, I wrote down the ETN injury. Obviously, that sucked. Um, other stuff I noticed, Lawrence looks okay. He's uh, he's improved from the first game he played. I agree. But also, he's just he's not immune to being a rookie. He's a regular person. Uh it's easy to look at some of these guys like superheroes coming to the yeah, league, but he's a rookie yeah. just like everyone else, and he he's has he makes those mistakes. He gets sacked when maybe he shouldn't, or he, you know, he doesn't make all his reads every single time. You know, classic rookie stuff that he just hasn't completely gotten up to speed. Um, that I think will get ironed out over the course of the first you know five six weeks of the regular season. Um. And also, I have no idea why he played the entire first half of that game. Yeah, that was interesting. There's no reason I'll, he should have done I that. I will say that. Um, I think it's because Urban Meyer is getting really nervous that the first-team offense looks as bad as it does right now, so he just kept him out there. Uh, but on the last play of the half, he got sacked. Uh, on his last play of the half, he got sacked. So I hate to see that. Um, yeah. And on that note, the O-line looks really bad out there right now. 
Although, again, like we said la- last week, uh, three of the starters are not playing right now on that O-line. Um, and and more than that, they will be back for week one. Right. They, they, the will, they will be here for week one. They're not playing right now. Um, Andrew, Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder, Cam Robinson, they're not playing right now. But they will be. So the hope is that the offensive line looks much better once the regular season starts. Yeah, I, I would say my my Jags notes were pretty similar to yours. Um, the offensive line right now looks like it could be the 32nd in the NFL, like the worst. Um, and I would say with those three additions to the starting lineup, it's going to be more league average. Maybe a little worse than that, but not as bad as it looks right now. Um Honestly, I had more Saints notes than Jags, just because the Jags offense was kind of stalling for a while. Right. Um, Trevor Lawrence, though, I did write down, he his movement looked really good in the pocket. I think he's four for nine for 61 yards when he's facing pressure, which is actually pretty good for a rookie. Oh, yeah. No, it's, those are good numbers. Um, <laughs> he got the whole first half, which I wrote down was interesting. Um, he got them into field goal range twice, which was pretty good against a good Saints defense. Um, my other notes were just about the Saints. Uh, Marquez Callaway is going nuts right now in the preseason. He had four catches and two touchdowns. Both touchdowns, absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Look nuts the videos up. Both from Jameis Winston. I wrote down after watching the highlights, Jameis is the starter. Um, all right, Texans takes. Not a whole lot to say. Uh, uh, the biggest thing for me, defense has seven turnovers in two games. We have played the Cowboys and the Packers, who are both pretty good offenses. We're not obviously playing their full offenses. Neither quarterback for those teams played to start the game. Um, but we had nine tur- turnovers as a defense the entire season last year, which is the second least in um the is since the 1980s i think uh, and so seven turnovers through two preseason games is a little to uh to be hopeful about uh on the flip side davis mills got the second third and most of the fourth quarters and did not really get into the red zone once so that's that's tough right um i wrote down that lonnie johnson is is pretty dang good yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. What I wrote down was Lon- Lonnie Johnson is pretty good, and that's cool. That's what I wrote. Um, and by that, I mean I, you mentioned it last week that you think the Texans defense will be top twenty-four. I'm not quite so high on the Texans defense. <laughs> um, so I also my my advice would be focus on Lonnie Johnson because he's going to be pretty good this season. So yeah, focus on our young studs, Justin, Justin Reed, Reed too, Lonnie yeah. Johnson. Um, yeah, because there's uh, there's our guys along the defensive line. The defense could be, you know, it could be fine, fine, but it, there's some holes there, and it's going to look rough at times. So just you know, focus on the good. Um, yeah, I talked about the uh, uh, Jay Sternberger huge catch last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarwin Blake Jarwin had a big pass this week. We're gonna get killed by tight ends over the middle of the field. Yeah, um, you guys, which is actually something that the Texans have had 
since I've been a fan. You guys so. don't play the Chiefs, Raiders, or uh, 49ers this year, do you? Chiefs, no. Uh, the other teams, maybe. Well, while you're looking that up, uh, I'm, I'll finish my Texans takes. Uh, I also wrote down that Tyrod is going to start a couple games. Um, uh, Davis Mills, while he's not, I mean, he isn't really showing out like he should be the start, like he, like he, like a starter might, but he really hasn't been playing that poorly. Um, no. So, no. so I think he will start games this season, but Tyrod's going to be the starter for the first part of the season. Yeah. I'm sorry, Tyrod, so, Tyrod Taylor. There you go. I don't know. I, I think he's gone back and forth, so I'm not 100% on that. So we do not play the Raiders or the Chiefs. We do play the 49ers. And then we also play other teams with good tight ends. The Chargers with Jared Cook. The Seahawks with Gerald Everett. The Rams with Tyler Higby. Uh, the Patriots with Joni Smith. It's going to be tough. If you, if you are a fantasy manager with a decent tight end, play them against the Texans. Oh, also, if you're, if you're streaming tight ends, a lot of people have to stream tight ends. Streaming against the Texans, you could do a lot worse. So yeah, uh, that's something to look at. Um, for both teams. You want to give your both teams? Yeah, yeah for yeah. both teams. Uh, I wrote down that it's really similar to last week. The stuff I covered last week about this being a rebuild for both these teams and it's not going to look great from the get-go. And to focus on uh, what you can control, high-effort guys, high-energy guys, high-character guys. Um, the only thing that I can update is that I think it might just be a pretty short stint for both head coaches, and uh, Urban Meyer included. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we've seen Urban Meyer do this at two separate college football programs. He losing stresses him out and he has heart attacks he has heart issues uh and he says due to losing and the jags are not a team we're gonna that's lose gonna a whole lot of games so my should be interesting my worry is not even that it's just urban meyer has not done much as of yet to show that he is a good nfl coach and there's been right. plenty of stuff that has made me go, oh, geez, like he might be a bad NFL coach. So I could see, I could very well see two years from now, Urban Meyer is no longer the head coach. Um, and the last thing for both teams is just COVID stuff is affecting these teams. Laramie Tunsil had, uh, had a deal with COVID. Josh Allen is dealing with COVID right now. So, the, I mean, these are important players that are getting affected by COVID already. Uh, it's just going to um, continue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my both teams take the offense for both teams looks pretty archaic and slow. I have more confidence in Daryl Bevel, who led a pretty good Matthew Stafford season a couple seasons ago to figure it out. Um, I do not have a whole lot of confidence in the Texans' offense. However, my take was the offense looks archaic and slow. Lawrence is good enough to make it work sometimes. Mills is not. Um, Davis Mills has not looked very good in the preseason. And like you mentioned, a starter should play well in the preseason. When they're not playing well, that's when you really need to that's a take problem. some concern. That's a problem. Yeah. 
So I mean, uh, my, both both those dudes have quite a long leash. Right. Yeah. My season. my thing with Mills is like he's on a like the Texans aren't pretending like they're good. They know they're bad, and right. uh, so yeah, he's gonna have a longer leash. So he's got some time. This to season out. only. Right. Yeah. Um, he's got to figure right, it out by the uh, end of the season. Let's move on. Uh, we've got we're bringing back our wa- wallowing in denial segment. Um, so if you missed last week's episode, this is a segment we're going to include every couple of episodes. The premise is that one of us presents the other with a depressing and sometimes horrifying fact or statistics about the Texans or Jags, and the other host has to defend that action with a denial only known to fans of shitty sports teams. Um, once again, like last week, we are bringing the pain up- upon ourselves. We are doing both good and bad draft moves. Sam, do you want to start with the bad or good or a little bit of both? Oh. You you start us off. I'm going to start with the bad, and I'm going to end with the good. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you started there. So I did not include everything that the Jaguars have done wrong. Yeah, me neither. Uh, because that would take up way too much time. Uh, but I'll just, you know, I'll run you through some highlights of some bad choices here. Uh, 2000. The Jaguars took R.J. Soward, 29th overall. He played 13 NFL games total in his career. Wow. 14 catches, 154 yards, and a touchdown. That was all he did. Um, Wow. Now, he went out of the league for a couple of reasons, the biggest of which was an alcohol problem. Um, Okay. So it wasn't entirely talent-related. However... He was drafted in the first round to be a stud, and he did not show that in the 13 games he played. Uh, So it ended up being a complete bust. Uh, 2008, Derek Harvey traded up 18 spots to take him eighth overall. He never started. He was never a starter for the team. And the Ravens, who got that pick, used the pick on Joe Flacco. Super Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. Elite quarterback, uh, who, Joe Flacco. You can say what you want about Joe Flacco. Whether you think he's good or bad, he is better than almost than Derek Hardy. He, he is better than almost any quarterback the Jaguars have ever had. So Yeah. Hurtful. Um next up we got twenty eleven, Blaine Gabbert. This one was tough. We took Blaine Gabbert tenth overall, um, I believe. And that was one ahead of J.J. Watt, if I'm remembering correctly. And also, uh, I, I won't go through uh, much of the 2011 draft because Oscar will talk about it more in one of his good sections. Um, but J. J. Watt. let's just say for right now that the 2011 draft, the top end of that draft was fantastic. And Blaine, yes. and Blaine Gabbert was one of the only bad choices among the group. So... <laughs> Uh, Tough stuff. Uh, A theme here, a good theme for the Jaguars throughout the years is uh, any QB we draft is almost always really bad, and any wide receiver we draft high is almost always bad, with a couple of exceptions. Man, I forgot about Justin Blackman. Yeah, Justin Blackman. I don't even want to talk about Justin Blackman. (laughs) All right, uh, in 2012, we took Brian Anger. One pick before Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Which is quite uh, the what position does Brian Anger play again? I believe he was an offensive lineman. No, he is a punter. 
Uh, oh, he has played. See, uh, <laughs> see, this is this is good. That's even worse. He was a Houston Texan last year, so. Oh, fun! So he's really good. Yeah, he's made it in the league. Um, I think the the guy right after him has been pretty good, though. See, this is a good thing to point out. Uh, um, I became a fan of the Jaguars, like I said, uh, only a couple years ago. Really, I've not been a fan of the Jaguars that long. So going through all this stuff and reading all through this stuff and learning all the learning about bad moves that I didn't even know about has been, uh, on one hand, soul-crushing, and on the other hand, uh, extremely fun. Really fun. Yeah, it's really fun to do. So I, I, highly, I highly recommend... You weren't a fan yet to experience the pain. Exactly. You just exactly. get to look back and 10 be like, years later wow. and sort of laugh about uh, it. Yeah. And laugh at myself for becoming a fan. Um, right. Yeah, okay, 2013, Luke Jokel. Second overall pick, Texas Aggie. Super happy about this one, except that he was a total flameout. Yeah, actually awful. He was very bad. Second overall, offensive tackle, was no good for the team. 2014, the boat. Blake Bortles himself, third overall. Let me run you through a couple of names that he was picked before. Uh, Jake Matthews went right after him. Who's been a great tackle? Another Aggie, but been a great tackle for the Falcons. Uh, Taylor Luan, another tackle. Mike Evans, Khalil Mack, Zach Martin, and Aaron Donald. All these guys went in the next ten or so picks after him. Uh, right. All of them have been phenomenal players in the NFL. All of them have been Pro Bowlers. All of them have been Pro Bowlers. A lot of them have been. Uh, several of them have been All Pro. Um, yeah. And obviously Aaron Donald is one of the best defensive players of all time. So ever. Yeah. Tough. I'll talk about twenty fourteen in two minutes because now we're moving over to Texans bad moves, which starts in our first year as a franchise. We got the number one overall pick as the expan- expansion team and drafted David Carr, who is quite possibly the epitome of the Houston Texans. Uh we drafted him first. It's an excusable pick, which kind of makes it the epitome. Uh, no real stud quarterback was taken in that draft, but we did draft David Carr over multi- uh, tons of multi-time pro bowlers. Uh, two years later, David Carr had not been good for those two years. We could have done what the Jags did in 2011 to 2014. Blaine Gabbert did not work, so they took Blake Bortles. Instead, in 2004, 10th overall, we took Dunta Robinson, a cornerback uh, who did not make it long on the Texans, uh, had a pretty good career on other teams, but that doesn't help us. Uh, the pick before Ben Roethlisberger might have changed our uh, fortunes a little bit. Okay, so we don't learn our lesson in 2004. In 2005... I think the 18th overall selection, we picked Travis Johnson, who I've actually never heard of. And that was eight picks before Aaron Rodgers, who was by far the far and away number one quarterback prospect in the draft, was actually drafted after Alex Smith. Uh, but he was like the biggest faller of that draft. Oh, absolutely. We it, was, it was wild. That draft. Yeah. yeah he left. We could have capitalized and decided not to. So that's great. Uh, two years later. We're back at 10th overall because David Carr is not good. Uh, 2007, we draft Amobio Koye, 
who actually was a pretty good Texan. He was a great defensive tackle starter for a lot of years and then a backup. Uh, however, for the next five picks, Patrick Willis, Marshawn Lynch, Darrell Revis, and Lawrence Timmons. That sucks. Uh, skip a few years. We had, we had a couple good years of drafts. Uh, and we're going to 2014, where the, Sam just mentioned how the Jags took Blake Bortles third. We took, with the number one overall pick, Jadavian Clowney, who this is a explainable pick. He was the hotness. He was far and away the oh biggest climber. Oh, my goodness. He was so everyone good in college. Was so he was yeah, so yeah. good. Almost everyone listening to this podcast remembers the highlight of him knocking the Michigan running backs head off. The biggest, uh, the biggest ball don't lie moment of my entire life, maybe. Yeah. However, <laughs> he was not. I mean, okay, Jadavian Clowney. Had he been drafted as a late first rounder, early second rounder, everyone would be talking about how he's had a great career. Uh, he's a phenomenal run stopper, does a lot more in pressuring the quarterback than people realize. However, he was 12 picks before Aaron Donald, who will go down as maybe the best defensive player of all time. And we could have paired him with another one of the best defensive players of all time in J.J. Watt. The Texans would probably still be good right now if we had done that. Um, it hurts. It hurts and then. Yeah, Even as someone who's not a Texans fan, it hurts. Like, imagine Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt. That defense, that defense, no matter who you put around them, is incredible. No matter who you put around them. Because Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt get double teamed more than anyone else in the league, at least during their primes. Okay, I'm over it. I'm, I don't want to <laughs> keep going. No, this. no, we can, we, let's talk about this for another half hour or so. Uh, last, last... <laughs> pick that I want to discuss 2015 we drafted Kevin Johnson who I only know because he was a recent Texan cornerback 16th overall pick two before Marcus Peters 11 before Byron Jones and 17 before Landon Collins all of whom are much better secondary players than Kevin Johnson is I think he's out of the league with concussion issues Let's go to the good, Sam. Tell me, tell me. Oh, wait, wait. I had I had one last thing I wanted to say. Oh, actually, I stopped in 2015 because because of trades involving Brock Osweiler unlo- unloading his contract, Deshaun Watson the fourth, and or Deshaun Watson, sorry, not Deshaun Watson the fourth, and Laramie Tunsil. The Texans have not picked in the first or second round for two drafts straight, and we hadn't picked in the first or the second, and like al- alternatively for like the three drafts before that. So. Can I ask, let me ask you a question real quick, and I'm genuinely interested. It is kind of hurtful to ask this, but the Laramie Tunsil trade, when it happened, were you happy about it? Um, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm, we were bringing in a top 10 tackle Absolutely. at the no, time. Laramie Tunsil, still, Laramie Tunsil is still a stud. He's still a stud. Yeah, he's fantastic. To protect the blind side of our quarterback who'd been sacked a lot his first couple of seasons, the thing that really bothered me was that we did not sign him to a contract during that period, and now he's the highest paid, not the highest paid, he's one of the highest paid left tackles in the league, and we don't even have a quarterback for him to protect. So <laughs> It turned out really poorly, but the idea yeah. was there. 
the right. idea was there. All right, uh, you, you tell me some good draft picks that the Jags have made. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to start back in 1995. First draft um, for the Jaguars. Probably their best pick ever. Um, Tony Baselli first overall with their first pick ever. Um, who I mentioned in the podcast last year, he's yeah, the best Jaguar all of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. He is, it's, hey, he's part of the all-decade all 90s team. Oh, I did not even know mm-hmm. that. S- say what you will about it being the first overall pick. You do not draft a Hall of Famer with the first overall pick almost ever. So good on the Jags. Uh, yeah, actually, um, very surprising. We've got we got worse after that. Obviously, uh, that's a hard standard to keep up. But that was that was fantastic. '96, uh, we drafted Kevin Hardy first ra- in the first round. He was an All Pro. Good. Fred Taylor came in nine in '98. Who I mentioned, Fre- Fred Taylor again, fantastic running back, first round running back, which is usually we don't like around here. But he he was 17th all time in rushing yards, and he was a Pro Bowler. Um, yep. 2001, Marcus Stroud, defensive tackle, first rounder, who's a three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, a year after that, we picked up his um, his complement in John Henderson in the first round, who was a two-time Pro Bowler. And during that time, they were a very, very scary duo in that two to three-year period, especially. Um, they they were pretty dang good at getting to the quarterback. So was, uh, that was fun to watch some of those highlights. Um, 2006, we took Rayshon Mathis in the second round. He was an All Pro uh, for one for one year, um, and then jump ahead quite a bit. 2014, Allen Robinson in the second round. Talvin Great Smith pick. in the fifth round. Fantastic pick. Great pick. Um, Allen Robinson's one of the. It might be the only early wide receiver to pay off big time for the Jaguars, and he did not stick around. Uh, uh, 2016. Wonder why. 2016. Jalen Ramsey, first rounder, All Pro, one of the best corners in my opinion, the best corner in the league. Um, the for best a couple years. Uh, Miles Jack in round round two after him, still on the team. Has been uh, he's been a Pro Bowler. He's been an intricate part of this team for years. Uh, and then Yannick he was also part of the uh, we don't, the story we talked about. We last did week. where he was the reason why we should have gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Yannick Ngakwe went in round three, um, and Yannick Ngakwe was only with the team for f- he only played four seasons with the team, but he is second. He is currently second all time in sacks for the Jaguars. What? Um, he was one of oh. he's one of the best edge edge rushers of all time for the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, he has sure. also gone, and uh, but that 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 2016 draft, like they really killed it that year, and it's and that is a yeah. that is a massive reason. Those three guys, especially, are a huge reason why 2017 went so well for the Jaguars. Yeah, 100. percent And then there's there's guys in the last couple of years that I did not put on this list that have promise. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen. Defensive end. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guys that have DJ Chark, Lavisca Chenault. I would have said James Travis Robinson as an James Robinson. Free yeah. agent. So uh, CJ Henderson, I still hold hope. Maybe. I still hold hope, but we'll see. But th- you know, I didn't add him because we haven't really seen him yet. Yeah, <clears throat> I yeah, I, I think the Jags have drafted pretty well recently. 
Uh, maybe better than the Texans have drafted. Except Taven Bryan. Taven Bryan should be off the team. First rounder from two years ago. <laughs> Ouch. All right, uh, I'll go with my Texans uh, selections. Before we start, I do want to say we've drafted nine Pro Bowlers with 18 first-round picks. That's not bad. Not terrible. Not terrible at all. Uh, which, all again, makes me angry that we have not been able to draft in the first round in the last couple of years. Um, a few of those nine, I think three of those nine, were not Pro Bowlers until they were with other teams. But such is the life when you're a bad team. Mm-hmm. People leave after their mm-hmm. rookie contract is up. Um, so to dive into some good drafts, we drafted in 2006 with our first overall pick, Mario Williams, who was not the consensus. Reggie Bush was in that draft, and everyone was clamoring. The Texans needed a running back. It was perfect. And we drafted Mario Williams, who is, until J.J. Watt, was the best defensive player the Texans had ever had. Um, and I, people talk about it still. Bill Simmons, on his podcast recently, talked about that draft and how Richie Bush was the the consensus number one overall, which put a chip on Mario Williams' shoulder, and he was, again, a, a great player for the Texans. Fantastic. Then, then we drafted D'Amico Ryans in the second round. Another great player is now the defensive coordinator with the 49ers, actually. And then we drafted Owen Daniels, who is the best tight end in Texans history, in the fourth round. So first, second, and fourth rounds, we, we drafted Pro Bowlers. Pretty cool. 2009, we actually did the same thing with our first, second, and fourth rounds. We drafted Brian Cushing, 15th overall, Connor Barwin in the second round. Those two guys were some of our best edge players ever. And then Glover Quinn in the fourth, who was a great secondary player. Brian, Skipping Brian ahead Cushing to, was a baller for a couple of years. Dude, he was so good. So good. Yeah. So Fun good. That Texans defense was so good, and we didn't get a quarterback in there until it was, they, they were all past their primes, yeah. which is unfortunate. Uh, two years later, 2011, uh, Sam mentioned it earlier, maybe the craziest draft in recent memory. The Texans got J.J. Watt 11th overall. Um, seven of the first 11 picks are future Hall of Famers. Let me just run through that list really fast. So, uh, Cam Newton, pro, uh, Hall of Famer. Von Miller, Hall of Famer. Marcel Darius is up in the air, probably not. A.J. Green, probably not. Patrick Peterson, probably a Hall of Famer. Julio Jones, probably a Hall of Famer. Alden Smith is not going to make it. He had a shorter career than expected. Tyron Smith, Hall of Famer. J.J. Watt, Hall of Famer. Uh, all those guys mentioned were Pro Bowlers. And then in between there, we have eighth overall, the Tennessee Titans picked Jake Locker. And then the uh, Jaguars picked Blaine Gabbard at 10. And then 14, 15, 16 was Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, Ryan Kerrigan. So uh, 12 of the first 16 picks were Pro Bowlers. And I don't know if that's ever happened. I don't know either. Other than it's a fantastic draft, um, crazy draft. It's so fun to look back at stuff like that. Um, speaking of fun drafts to look at, 2013, uh, maybe the best Texans pick, and for sure since JJ Watt, we drafted DeAndre Hopkins in 2013, 27th overall. Um, around him, so. Travis Kelsey went in the third round. That might be the biggest player 
Eric Fisher went first overall, great offensive tackle. Um, but there are a lot. <laughs> EJ Manuel was the first quarterback off the board. Tavon Austin was a t- top 10 pick as a wide receiver. So just a fun draft to look at. I'm very glad that the Texans got snagged D-hop there, even though he is no longer with the team. Dallas Cowboys, Travis Frederick at 31. Great Huge pick. pick. Great pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are our good picks. And uh, I can't, I can't say that they outweigh all the bad. They do not. But, they do not. Uh, hey, we got JJ Watt, and uh, I, I can't complain. All right, so. let's move on to our fantasy corner and finish this up. We have a we have breaking news in our fantasy corner. In our main oh, wow. league, we have a trade completed that I am involved in. Oscar, oh. would you like to look at it? The trade wow. is I gave up Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, and my eighth-round pick for C.D. Lamb, Nelson Aguilar, and a tenth-round pick. Wow! So you you took James Robinson out of the deal. So my initial I should I should give you guys some background. My initial offer was that, but I added I was adding in Allen Robinson to give up. And he was adding in James Robinson, who obviously is going to be the start, definitely the starter now. Going to have a big workload now that Etn is out. Um, I yeah. sent that to a buddy of ours. He sent me back a text saying, "Hey, let's. I'm into it if we take both the Robinsons out." And I said, "Absolutely, uh, let's do it." Um, Good for y'all. In my mind, um, in my mind, I won this trade. C.D. Lamb is going to ball out this year. Um, I agree. I, I do think you won this trade. I, I'm still a little shell shocked from it, yeah. but so kind of cool to have a trade happen live on the air. Um, it's really cool to have it. Never happened on the fantasy podcast. I know. I know. So uh, big deal. So uh, for this week's fantasy corner, we thought it'd be a good idea to go over our uh, the the draft that we had recently in our main league with all of our buddies, the one we care about the most. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go through the biggest steals, the biggest reaches, rosters we hate, rosters we like, and uh, talk about our teams a little bit in an honest way. So, uh, Oscar, you wanna start us off here with the who you think is the biggest steal of the draft? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through. I, I don't want to keep our listeners too much longer, so I'll run through my answers to the top three questions. Sure. Uh, I need to find my biggest reach. I do remember seeing it. Uh, our buddy Sam drafted Josh Jacobs halfway through the second round above some other running backs that I like a lot more. Yes. Uh, that seems like a pretty big reach. Um, all right, biggest steal. Same guy drafted Jerry Judy in the sixth round, and I was actually really considering taking him with my sixth round pick, and I'm a huge fan of Jerry Judy. Me too. So I liked that pick. Uh, I'll give a biggest steal to someone else, though. Honestly, a huge fan of Marvin Jones going into this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And our uh, another guy in our league named Caleb drafted him tenth overall or in the tenth round overall, which I really enjoyed. So those are a couple options. Roster wise, I was I was giving our our friends 
some trade or some some draft grids. They a couple of our buddies were texting me asking how they did, and going through their rosters made me realize that I really do not like my team. So I'm gonna give one of the best or one of the worst rosters to myself. Um, I have to give one of the best rosters to you, Sam, just because you had a lot of early round picks and some good keepers. You wanna uh, you wanna um, run through your team really quick for the listeners. Yeah, let me do that, and then I'll 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 pass to you. So I have at quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who I drafted in the tenth round, I believe, and then Justin Fields. Maybe it was like eleventh, twelfth, twelfth round, twelfth and thirteenth. You drafted those okay. Guys. Uh, and then with my first overall pick, I drafted Travis Kelsey, so that meant I was a little light on running backs, but I'm set at tight end, so I like that. I drafted Joe Mixon, uh, was able to keep Chase Edmonds, and then have Javante Williams and Michael Carter at running back. And then at wide receiver, my starters are DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, and Odell Beckham Jr., and then some depth, I've got Mike Williams, Russell Gage, Jamison Crowder. All of that to say, it's a fine team. You don't win your league at the draft, but um, it's it's hard to compare my team to yours. Uh, remember that our buddy Josh <laughs> made a awful trade before the season uh, to Sam, or last season to Sam, giving Sam extra third and fourth round picks so let's uh let's hear your roster yeah uh my roster um so i'll, I'll go through my draft and then uh, update on after the trade but i took uh i had the third overall pick i took alvin kamara mccaffrey and cook were off the board kamara was my next guy love it happy to have him on the team uh i took terry mclaurin next alan robinson after that uh darren waller um i felt like he kind of fell to me at the in the oh, middle 100%. of the third round, I thought that he was going to be gone by then, so I snagged him uh, in the middle of the third round with my second third round pick. Um, on the way back, I got Deontay Johnson with my first fourth rounder, Travis Etienne with my second. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, I took Dak Prescott with my fifth pick, um, which was a big change for me because I usually do not take a quarterback that early at all. Never. But I... Um, I don't know. I want to. I want to be able to you, root for the Cowboys, and I had the extra picks. You also had that to uh, to fill out my right. starters. That was um, after that, my starters were filled. Um, in the sixth round, I had Antonio Gibson as a keeper, uh, fantastic keeper, and then I did not pick again until the eighth round. Who I, and I took Brandon Cooks, who I love. I love him at eight at, in the eighth round. Um, I do too. Uh, he's perpetually underrated. I took Michael Gallup after that, Trey Lance after that. Um, I took I had Noah Fant as a keeper in the twelfth round. I I got Sammy Watkins, Gabriel Davis, Tyrell Williams, Van Jefferson, and Brashad Perryman all on my team. I went very wide receiver heavy, um, but I think it worked out for my team. And I do too. obviously now I uh, I just traded um, I just traded so now I have. CD Lamb on my team, and I have uh, Nelson Aguilar on my team. So I I think that I I I agree with you. I think that I have the best team in the league as it currently stands. Um, worst team in the league. Let's see. I I 
didn't like Simon's team very much. I like it better now that James Robinson is going to be really good. Um, he had one of the biggest reaches, I thought, with DeAndre Swift um, ahead of Joe Mixon and Clyde. Uh, some NFL news, DeAndre Swift might not play week one. Yeah. That's up in the so air. So we'll see. I didn't like that one. I didn't like the Kyle Pitts take. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a reach based on ADP, but I don't like him there. Um, I agree. Yeah. Some of the some of my favorite picks, uh, Tyler Boyd at the end of the seventh round. I like that pick a yes. lot. Um, a lot. The Brandon Cooks pick, like I said, big fan of that. Uh, let's see. There, there was one more that I had in mind i do love the marvin jones pick for sure uh oh tua in the 12th round i think i think that's a pretty good pick at, at quarterback um Huge. yeah um and th- so those are those are the ones i'll say uh and then honesty about our own teams um we kind of covered this already uh i think <laughs> i have a really good team my my weakness right now is I have three running backs currently on roster, one of which is out for the entire season. So, right. Um, so if you want to trade, let me so, know. So uh, I I need to fill in with some running backs at some point because uh, I have a bye week on week six and nine, and I won't be able to fill an entire roster if I don't get another running back. Right. Did you uh, have anything nice you wanted to say about my team, maybe? I, uh, let's see, about your team. I will say this. I kind of expected you to say, I do not, and then end the podcast. <laughs> no, but. I will say that I liked the Cooper Cup pick a lot. Um, I am, I'm in the middle on the OBJ t- thing because I just, I don't want him on my team. Um, right, and he's I a, picked him last year too, and that hurt he's me. A However, play so you know, who, the people left on the board, the wide receivers left on the board, I felt pretty locked into OBJ. So honestly, your wide receivers, I like. Your running backs are a problem. That's what it comes down to. Um, hey, because I don't All right. believe in Chase Edmonds so much. Me neither, but he's my running back too, and I'll uh, have to work on that. I don't want to keep rambling about fantasy, though most of our league might be our only listeners. Um, because we are a NFL podcast now, and uh, we talked about our AFC South teams for quite a bit. So I think we should wrap up, Sam. You got anything for me before we uh, close it out? I don't think so. Just uh, just that I'm super happy that this podcast is uh, is off and running, and I, I appreciate you guys coming out and listening to me and Oscar talk about football. Uh, if it weren't for this podcast, we'd just have to do it to do it with no one listening, which is no fun at all. So, um, think we really yeah. Appreciate though you guys we do thinking. talk to each other about football quite a bit, uh, it, it's a lot more fun when we get to record and hear some feedback from people listening absolutely so to close it out thank you guys for the support and thanks for coming and hating yourself with us see you next week